Touchdown, Michigan! Touchdown, Michigan! Touchdown, Michigan! Touchdown, Michigan! Welcome to episode 62 of the Victors, a Michigan sports podcast. We are affiliated with Between the Whistles of Detroit, a JC Sports Network exclusive. I'm your host, Chad Mazegan, joined by my co-host, Mr. Jordan Dean. Man, we are into November, November football. That's when it gets fun for Michigan, especially with the schedule we've had this year. The big boys are upon us, and we get to start with Penn State and Happy Valley this Saturday at noon. We it's, it's hard to believe that you and I were having this conversation back at the beginning of the year, looking forward to this matchup, and it feels like it was literally like three weeks ago we were having that conversation, but here we are actually ready to talk about this game and have our boys go down there and see what they can do. Yeah, and last time they were in Penn State, I was actually in attendance, but it was a, it was a good game, good matchup. Michigan, similar 2021, top, you know, top, one of the top teams in the nation, and uh, went in there and got a win 21 to 17 and you know it's never it's never easy at Penn State that's a tough place to play uh loud environment um obviously we know this Michigan team and specifically JJ McCarthy they kind of embrace that road environment um and they so far so good they've uh, been on the road and we'll see uh we'll see if that continues it's going to be a good matchup a lot of strength on strength a lot of things Penn State does well Michigan does well and you know vice versa they're kind of similarly built teams and there's a couple differences we'll get to in a little bit but I think the thing we got to start with first is the uh, big news that's you know been in the news for the last three weeks and that's the latest on the sign stealing allegations with Michigan and you know I'll just run through a little bit of what we've what we've been what's come out since we were last uh, our last episode last uh, Thursday uh, obviously recording on November 9th today, November 9th, uh, Thursday night. Um, and we'll start with, you know, news reported or it came out, you know, uh, that not, Michigan's not the only team with uh, sign stealing slash sharing. Uh, you know, there was the news that came out earlier this week that Ohio State and Rutgers uh, provided si- signs to Purdue for the Big Ten championship game on, you know, signs of what Michigan does and things like that. Now, before we go crazy on something like that, one thing we have to wait to hear because an answer still has not come out yet, uh, whether it was one way or the other, is if those signs were illegally obtained uh, uh, obtained or not. So, you know, again, sign stealing in games, during games, is illegal. If you have someone on your sideline or, you know, in preparation during the week legally, you know, you're taking all the game film you got because these colleges get all type of game film. It's not as simple as like, oh, here's... One shot of the game, and this is all you got. Now, they get all different kind of angles and things like that to prepare. So, you know, Stallions or whoever those people are to decipher, you know, when it, Stallions was here, would take that film, study, okay, this, this, and this lineup. We think when they do this, they do this. So, did Ohio State and Rutgers get these signs that Michigan use illegally? That's not uh, clear yet. But they did share it with coaching, which, again, that's not legal either. You can, you know, that's up to coaches if they want to share knowledge on other teams, um, you know, prior to playing, whatnot. Um, you know, at that point, Ohio State and the Rutgers had nothing to play for against Michigan or uh, Purdue. You know, that was the Big Ten championship game, so they handed that over. But what it goes to show you is, and what it really points out, is it's not as clear as, oh, Harbaugh should have known what Stallions was doing. Because, and actually Harbaugh's lawyer said it in a note or a letter he uh, sent to Tony Petiti, uh, the Big Ten commissioner, uh, yesterday. Um, and we'll get to more on that in a second. But in that note, uh, or in that letter, he went out of his way to say, you know, among other things of, you know, a punishment. This is premature on a punishment to suspend Harbaugh or anything like that. Part of it is, is you know, we've talked about on the show. Um, you know, the co- head coach is responsible for anything that happens in his program. And that's a rule in the NCAA. That's a rule in business in general. You know, the guy in charge, whatever happens usually falls on him. And that still remains true. But at the same time, we've heard the noise for three weeks now. There's no way Harbaugh didn't know. There's no way Harbaugh didn't know. Harbaugh and the staff would have to be stupid not to realize it. Well, that's not true because if other teams are stealing signs and you know, we saw, we've seen the screenshots or the, the video evidence of what Stallions had on other teams and exact hand motion and things like that. Well, Purdue had a similar sheet from Rutgers and Ohio State on if they do this and this, it's stretch. If they do this and this, it's run right. 
if they're able to get that kind of evan evidence legally let's let's just throw out the question of if, if it was obtained legally or not if they got that uh that's those signs legally you know through scouting the legal measures of stein stealing then why would harbaugh you know let's say harbaugh it's true he doesn't know didn't know why should we punish him or pre presume that he would uh, have known that Stallings was obtaining this stuff illegally if other teams are able to get similar kind of things on Michigan? So that's that's another can of worms that's opened up. But really quick to get through the rest, you know, the Big Ten on Monday, uh, the six sent Michigan, you know, whatnot. Hey, here's what we got you on and things like that. You have 48 hours to respond. Not only did Michigan respond with a letter um, that was like 10 pages long. They had some, you know, I guess 13 lawyers in the state of Michigan sign it that they're ready to, you know, battle this out if, you know, the Big Ten makes a premature uh, punishment or comes down on Michigan because they don't feel like the evidence supports it. They don't feel like the um, uh, uh, sportsmanship uh, uh, clause or whatever it is in the, you know, Big Ten membership uh, you know, they feel like uh, Petiti's overstepping what, you know, punishment, you know, things he can do within that uh, sportsmanship clause, um, you know, to punish uh, Jim Harbaugh, Michigan. So, you know, they came out, dispute all that kind of stuff. You know, earlier today, the rumored punishment is anywhere now from Michigan's going to, you know, Jim Harbaugh might get indefinitely suspended to anywhere to, you know, Jim Harbaugh might just get fined. So like, there's not a lot of clear stuff right now. There's new evidence coming out of like just sign stealing everywhere. There's, you know, these notions and these, you know, oh, you know, maybe this and this happened, this and this happened. And, you know, really what it's coming down to, and we talked a little bit about this pre-show and I'll let you get jump in here in a second, Jordan. Um, I really think this is coming down to Michigan is playing their hand of, they, because even in the refutal letter, they didn't really say that they didn't break the rules. They never really disputed that. They are just playing the card of, you don't have enough on us to punish us. And, you know, if you're going to have a letter signed by 13 lawyers, that would also presume you're probably not the most innocent either. Regardless, I think what Michigan's doing here, and it's smart of them because they know what they are capable of winning this year, which would be a national championship. They're capable of getting to that point. Michigan is planning to keep all hands on deck this season, in my opinion. They are trying to prevent any type of punishment this season, during the season, from a, uh, from happening. Now, they know the only threat to that happening is the Big Ten. With all the evidence that NCAA or the Big Ten has provided they have on Michigan, Michigan feels like they cannot be punished at this time, and if an eventual punishment comes from the NCAA this offseason or down the road, Whatever, we'll suck it up. What we really want to do is compete for a national championship this year. And <clears throat> that's kind of where it's at as we stand. You know, does... So, so really what we're waiting on is the Big Ten to respond to Michigan's response to what the Big Ten sent them. And now it's, you know, waiting game. Does Tony Petit in a tough spot, you know, he wants to punt it or, you know, the rest of the Big Ten's looking for some punishment on Michigan, but at the same time, Michigan, they, they don't have hard evidence on it. And even in the letter, Michigan said a lot of these, you know, evidence that the Big Ten used in, you know, that initial letter to Michigan earlier this week was presumed evidence from the media. And, you know, it, it's not hard, solid stuff that they can be like, oh, this definitely happened. We got you on this hardcore and we're going to suspend you because this, this and this like if they had hard evidence on Michigan or, you know, enough on Michigan already, I feel like a suspension would have happened today or even earlier. Like we wouldn't be waiting this out as long because if the big 10 does prematurely suspend Michigan with not a hard set of evidence, then that becomes a legal battle. You know, big Ten's going to get countersued or, you know, is going to get sued out of this. Um, you know, Michigan will sue them. Tony Petiti probably loses his job as the Big Ten commissioner. That's probably going to happen anyway because the way he's handled this situation as a whole has been a joke. He's had no public comment, nothing to you know, kind of say this is what's happening. You know, this isn't true. This is true. Whatever. Like, there's no steering. So there's just all this whirlwind of reports. You know, what's true, what's not, what what's factual, what's kind of you know, not made up, but like what doesn't have so much substance to it. And 
because no one's came out and said anything besides, you know, these reporters that are getting leaks from wh- wherever this started from, it's it's just been a mess. So I'll let you kind of jump in. I know I got long-winded there a little bit, uh, but your 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 opinion on kind of the stuff that's gone on to this point, Jordan. I would say, man, you know, the longer this goes on, the more this to me becomes a slap on the wrist of some sort. Um, Cause to your point, I agree with you. If there was hard concrete evidence, this would have wrapped up by the weekend or Monday or something like that. But here we are 48 hours away from another matchup and then maybe still then not have anything done. And to your point, it might even go to extend after the season. Um, I think the argument can be made, and I'm just playing devil's advocate for a second, and I, and I heard someone else say it too, so I'm not the only one. I can't take credit for this thought completely, but would you uh, – open this to you, Chad. Would you say that with the information we have on Rutgers and Ohio State, you know, helping Purdue, you know, with, with signals, that that arguably is worse because it's that, at that point professionally done. It's been broken down. All that time has already been spent, and they're just handing over – reports compared to somebody if we'll play the game of it was recorded and uh, a you know a non-football person or whatever it is and just sending information via iphone not broken down is is on the same level i would say it's not because it's still work to do that you know if that they have to break down and do a lot of work on it compared to just literally here's all the information have at it good luck would you agree i don't know if it's worse or you know if it's the right question i you know, cheating is cheating. So if they're both obtained illegally, you know, it, then they're both obtained illegally. Um, but it's the same thing. Like I look at as, you know, that's to me, it means there's not that much of a competitive advantage doing it one way or the other, whether you're obtaining it from other coaches, um, you know, who said, all right, you can have this cause we're done playing them. You have a game against them. It doesn't really impact us one way or another. We'd love to see Michigan lose. Here's what we've got on them. On the other hand, like Michigan, they acquired it, you know, kind of from scratch, and then they have their team or you know stallions and whatever, kind of break it down from whatever they have, and then they have, you know, they get their stuff. If it's obtained illegally, one way or the other, you you know you can get to the, the to the same path, uh, the same uh, you know endpoint through different paths, right? But to me, it would show that the ad- competitive advantage of what, you know, they say Michigan, you know, so, you know, coaches came out, oh, well, that's at least a 14-point difference. I'd say it's not so because, like I said, we don't know if Ohio State and Rutgers got that stuff illegally or legally. But if they did get it legally and it's not that much different, then, okay, so there's not that much of com- competitive advantage. If there is, if it was done illegally and we find that out later, then there's just a whole big mess and can of worms and a big storm coming for the Big Ten Conference at this point. But that's uh, the discussion I, I, for yeah, you're, No, for sure. And you're take, you kind of went into my follow-up point to that is I agree with you that the, the competitive advantage of understanding a signal, you can say it's run right. Okay, you can learn that these two signals together, the probability is 75% run right. That could be stretch. That could be inside zone. That could be tossed. That could be counter. Like, there are so many different variables of a play that that could be. So it's not like you can just – it's not as simple as, oh, we know what's coming and therefore we can stop it. And at the end of the day, I I do want to just chime on the fact that, like, objectively, right now, this Michigan football team has probably 20 to 30 NFL players on it at some point, whether first round to seventh round. It's very possible that they declare – all these players that declare they could get drafted. So this is not a a joke of a football team. This is not, you know, just young kids and, you know, they're trying to get the most competitive because they're undersized or whatever it is. These dudes are ballers, and they're playing like it, and stats show it. Now, does that take away from the fact that if we did things illegally? No. If I truly, if, if they come down and we find out that there's massive problems with, with the money trail and we find out that Michigan was involved from top to bottom and, and we've already had this conversation, then we deserve everything that comes our way. Um but I'm not going to sit here and say because of signals that we have obtained are the reason why we're sitting at where we are right now heading into Penn State. We've been better than everyone we've played. And to Deion Sanders' point that I brought up last week, like you can know zones coming to the right. You still got to freaking stop the play, man. 
Like it's Jimmy's and Joe's at that point. It's not just about understanding the concept of the play. That's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, no doubt. And yeah, there's definitely truth to that. Um, I think really what it comes down to is, you know, Michigan, you know, obviously has kind of opened up a can of worms here of, okay, you know, and kind of like I said, with their letter and everything back to the Big Ten, they did to kind of dispute why Jim Harbaugh should not be suspended or why this, you know, a premature punishment would not be the right direction to go. Really, when you read through that, Michigan, again, in there, really never disputed that, hey, we didn't do anything wrong. Or, you know, they didn't really dispute like, hey, we didn't break the rules. No, they kind of hit, let let that go. Like, I think Mich- they understand they broke the rules. It kind of comes down to like what you said, right? How big is the punishment going to be? And how, like, because as it stands now, we've, we see, a, a, you know, stallions went rogue. There is nothing tying of evidence that has been reported that ties Harbaugh or any other coaches on the staff to what stallions has done. And like Harbaugh's lawyer said, which I mentioned earlier, if other teams are able to gain, uh, signs and things like this, similar to what Michigan had, why would Harbaugh think Stallions is maybe cheating or, you know, doing something illegally and obtaining those signs? So it all comes down to, okay, if you have hard evidence, like you said, a money trail or something like that, okay, yeah, they need to be punished. And again, I still think Michigan's be punished either way. They did get caught doing something illegally to an extent. A rogue staff member was doing something illegally, the program's responsible for that as a whole. You don't get off just because it was one rogue guy that no one knew was doing it. Like the program still can get punished for it. But the extent of that punishment's not going to be very big. Like you said, if it's just stallions and this is what happened, this is what he did, it's probably not going to be much more than a slap on the wrist moving forward from the NCAA, whatnot. Maybe Harbaugh gets suspended for a game, two or three, whatever, to start next year. I don't know. Um, you know, if more things come out and it warrants a bigger punishment Then I, again, I've said it all along. If Michigan did the crime, they, they deserve the punishment. It just, we have to weigh what that, you know, what it is now. And now that more stuff comes out that other teams have sold signs and things like that. And, you know, all of a sudden it's weird. Like uh, last week, week and a half ago, all these big 10 coaches and ADs wanted the house brought down on Michigan. And now that other things have leaked that, Oh, there's some sign exchanging and stealing going on here with other programs. And there was, some report, and I, and I I won't say it's hard, concrete evidence because I can't remember the source, and I'm not going to say if it's not a reputable source. But there was something out there that, you know, Ohio State had some practice film from a Michigan practice, and it's like, okay, so how'd you get that? But my point is, it seems like now that some of this other stuff is trickling out, the Big Ten's backed off a little bit in the sense of, not, not the Big Ten, Tony Petit, but... You're not getting all these reports that all these coaches are still going hammer Michigan like they need to be, Harbaugh needs to be suspended like okay if your house isn't clean and in shape you shouldn't really be you know firing at other people for what's going on like you know it like I said this could really turn into a big mess if we found out you know on top of Michigan doing some stuff illegally for sign stealing you got you know opposed to the NCAA rules uh, you got the Rutgers Ohio State and other teams come out this could get really messy for the conference in general. So it's, it's going to be interesting as this continues the trend, you know, I'd imagine the, the big 10 is going to do something. I don't think there's a scenario where the big 10, you know, on Monday next week says, you know what, we're not punishing Michigan at all right now. We move forward. I think something's going to happen at the, like a very minimum. I think a fine is going to be assessed for Whatever, and that's more of an appropriate punishment under that sportsmanship clause or whatever it's called. That's fine. The boosters will front that for Harbaugh. Oh, right, and that's the thing. You know, <laughs> Harbaugh won't pay that, but I think at minimum that's what you're going to see. To so, so the Big Ten can say, well, we did something, but we're as we continue our investigation, or we're going to let the NCAA, you know, handle the investigation from here. We did what we thought was necessary. Whatever the NCAA finds from here on out, that's on them to punish Michigan the rest of the way, or you know, when that time comes. So. I think something will come of it, but you know, I I don't know. I right now with what's been reported, again, it's what's been reported. Maybe they have something that hasn't broke news yet, whatever. But from what we know and what's been reported, I just have a hard time believing any significant punishment's going to come down on Harbaugh or Michigan in general from the Big Ten, where we stand right now. I I agree, and I mean, let's just call a spade a spade. Like a lot of the, I mean, when it comes to the law of you know breaking rules and stuff, like. It has to be objective, right? You can you have to remove, 
emotion out of it. And let's be honest with ourselves, though we love you know, Jim Harbaugh, you know, for what he's done for the University of Michigan, he's probably not very liked around the conference, and we all and we know he's not very liked around the NCAA. So there is a lot of, I feel like, emotion aspect to this that they want things to happen because they just flat out don't like the guy, and that's a different conversation and that, that obviously doesn't stand up in the court. But I do believe there's extra motivation outside of just Michigan being, I won't say quote unquote back, but that they're they're turning the corner that they've they have a season that could win a, a national championship, you know, with Ohio State right behind them, and I think there's a lot of pressure there with Ryan Day and everything like that. So I, I'm I'm not surprised that there's so much backlash of trying to get this dude suspended because Michigan is I would say feared right now. Um, so I, at the end of the day, I think you're right. I will find out, you know, as more information comes, but probably going to be a fine, something minor. Um, and, you know, this will unfortunately just be a situation where we, if we win a national championship, that this under, you know, the asterisk or whatever you want to call it has that, you know, this whole story underneath it, which kind of sucks. Yeah, Colin Coward made that same kind of point on his show, too, on Fox. And I know, you know, the Fox is pay, paid by the Big Ten and media rights, so they're not going to probably diss anyone too hard but you know he came out and kind of said the same thing you just said like Michigan's one of the best programs in the country right now coaches and teams they have to play are kind of finding a reason that they might be able to you know take them out per se with you know punishment and things like that get them off their trail uh, you know off their path or whatever and you know there I maybe there's some truth to that I'm not gonna say like you know it's a hundred percent like they're just trying to take them out to take them out but like there's definitely you know, I can see, I can see where that comes from. And, you know, at the same time, like you said, you know, Michigan's got a lot of guys that are going to be going to the draft, if not this upcoming draft, the next draft. And, you know, even Purdue's head coach came out and said it, he, you know, that he said, that's probably the best defense he's played one of the best defenses in the country. So, you know, he's still admitting like, Hey, this is a good Michigan team. They're not winning because they cheated, but you know, yeah, so much has come on the last three weeks and it's been so messy because things are just being leaked. And again, I put some of that on the big 10 commissioner, not kind of getting, you know, grabbing the reins of this and kind of bringing everyone in and like, Hey, here's what's true. Here's what not, here's what's not or whatever. But what do you think Warren would have done with this Chad? If he was still here? Oh, I have no idea, man. I wasn't a huge fan of Warren either. Yeah. I, I I feel like Warren had more of a, like a, a public presence. Like, yeah, he would have came out. He would have had a press conference of some sort. Um, I don't think Warren was a huge fan of Michigan either, so I wouldn't That's be surprised if a similar punishment, <laughs> exactly. you know, Michigan would have still been punished in some way, and maybe he takes more of an action just because he obviously was in the seat. You know, he's not brand new like Tony is, but I don't know, man. I, it's Like I said, there's just so much out there right now. What's true, what's not? I mean, we have an idea, obviously, of some of the, you know, the gist of things, but like, again, you know, as we said last week, there's still more to come out. We need to kind of just kind of see where the story goes and uh, obviously we'll, we'll have more in our next episode or, you know, as things come out, but it's just been crazy. And, you know, at this point I'm kind of, it's kind of just exhausting. I'm just ready for like, let's just get this over with whatever it may be, you know, for the season part. And again, we all know the NCAA is not going to be doing anything until at the very minimum, the off season, the NCAA takes a long time to usually conclude things and dish out punishments. So whenever that happens, that happens. And I fully expect some sort of punishment from the NCAA at some point down the road, but Right now, it's really, does the Big Ten do anything? What does the Big Ten do, and how does it affect the remainder remainder of the season for Michigan? Yeah, you and uh, Valenti have the same approach uh, with 97-1 the tech. He said today, I feel like it's election season. All I'm talking about is the same thing over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, but it really is, because there's always something new. Every day, or if not every day, every other day, something else gets leaked, and then, oh, now we got to talk about it, and we're rehashing everything again. It's taken up the first 25 minutes of this episode and all we want to do is preview the Penn state game. And we're stuck talking about this to start the thing. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think, uh, unless you got anything else, I, that's, that's what I had for I'm this, good, yeah. this part of it. So I'm good, my friend. Cool. So let's rehash Purdue the game against Purdue really quick. Uh, Michigan dominated the game as we expect them to. They got the 41 to 13 victory on Saturday night at the big house. Um, you know, Solid game for uh, McCarthy, uh, you know, 24 for 37, 335 yards. No touchdowns or interceptions through the air, so that's good. You know, good no interceptions. Uh, you know, had a couple chances at a touchdown. Just didn't work out. Uh, Roman Wilson led the way with nine catches for 143 yards, uh, so he had a big game. 
what I want to talk to you is I got two takeaways from this game on, you know, that kind of give me a little pause or hesitation for, you know, this, this upcoming game. And, you know, as we play some of these better teams in the future, Ohio state, you know, whoever we're, hopefully we get in the playoff, whatever it is, right. We Purdue was, is not a good defense. And we went over that last week by the numbers. They were awful in all categories, whatnot. Michigan really struggled to run the ball. And if they didn't have Morgan on the end around score that touchdown for 44 yards, they would have been held under a hundred yards as a team. Blake Corm, 15 carries for 44 yards. I know he had three touchdowns. Those were all within like the you know five-yard line and whatnot. I think two were from the one-yard line. Uh, Edwards at eight carries for 21 yards. Mullins, four for 20. It just seems like such a grind right now. And I feel like, you know, we've been talking about this. And we're like, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. I feel like it's slowly getting worse. Like, I feel like that yardage total at the end of the day. Uh, to me, I really don't care if Corm runs for 100, whatever. You know, as long as the yard is told as a team's up there, cool. I know Blake Corm hasn't been playing full games most of the season because Michigan's been blowing out their opponents. That plays a role in it too. But at the same time, it just feels like such a grind. I feel like our yards per carry is not very strong right now. We've played not such great defenses. We're about to play one of the best defenses in the country, one of the best run defenses in the country for sure. Um, and I feel like I, I know JJ has been slinging it. He's looked really good, but I feel like without the aid of that, that run game, that's kind of when we see JJ kind of get into some of those old habits of like, I got to play hero ball. I got to do this and this. And we saw that a little bit in this Purdue game when, you know, the offense stalled out for the second and part of the third quarter, um, before they kind of got back on track after a fast start. That's what I worry about moving forward. Cause when JJ starts to play that hero ball hero mentality, that's when he starts to make mistakes, and that usually doesn't vote well for Michigan. No, your your analysis is spot on, Chad. I I we've been saying for a few weeks now that you know this run game just doesn't feel the same. And I mean, let's be honest, we you know it's so hard to just year over year have the best offensive line in the country. I think we've we you know, I I didn't realize how much of a blow losing Timmy would be as a center. Um, I think that center guard combination when we would run the ball right or left with combo blocks was just so dominant last year. Mike Nugent, very serviceable center. He's not bad. I think he, it goes Uluwatimi, Nugent, and then Vistardis that we had in 2021 as far as rankings go. Um, but we are definitely not as elite as we were last year, and we're, it's going to be tough. Like, we have to be able to run the ball in, in this upcoming matchup. I don't think we um, have – the the skill power uh, to drop back 50 times, you know, and get separation. You know, we got our tight ends and whatnot, but we don't have those perennial wide receivers, in my opinion. Uh, we got to be able to have play action pass, let JJ run a little bit. Um, I bet he'll be more of a factor in the run game this game. I bet they've been holding him back a little bit for Penn State. Um, but your cause of concern is absolutely valid. Yeah, and I, I was just about to say that, you know, I wonder if we see J.J. get involved more just because if the, you, you have that option or that quarterback, you know, is getting involved, tends to open up a little more space if you're threatening, you know, the option of, okay, you know, up the middle or, you know, off off the edge, you know, whether whatever, you know, the design of the run is. But you get my point. And it just, like, I know Corn I – and when I say the run game struggling, I'm not talking about, oh, we need those 70-yard runs, those long touchdowns. I don't care about that. Like, oh, obviously I love to see it. That's great. It's been a big reason we've been able to put the nail in the coffin against Penn State and Ohio State the last couple of games we played them. But I'm just talking about a healthy yards per carry. As the game goes on, are we getting five, six, seven yards of carry like we have in years past? And it just doesn't doesn't feel like that. Well, and from what we saw, especially against Purdue, we it just wasn't happening. Like, as a team, they averaged 3.2 yards per carry. Blake Corm, 15 carries for 44 yards, had a 2.9 yards per carry average. Just not going to get it done against these good teams. I know McCarthy slung it, but Michigan is not built to sling it like that. They can do it, but it's not what they want to live on. It's not like Ohio State where we got the best receiver in the country, uh, even Xavier, whatever the uh, other receiver is, he's he's a top you know 10 kid in the country. We don't have those guys on the outside. Roman Wilson, a really nice piece. Colston Loveland, a very nice piece. But they're not elite receiving you know, prospects, right? They're not someone that's going to go out there and single-handedly dominate a defense that plays at a level of a Penn State or Ohio State. Like It's different than playing these Purdue's, Nebraska's, and MSU's, right? Like So that's, that's just where a little bit of concern comes in. So 
you know, obviously we'll see it. I, I agree with you. I'm sure they've saved some stuff, some some looks for these games like Penn State and Ohio State coming up, you know, saving some of their good stuff or, you know, some of the more, um, you know, uh, words drawing a blank. Uh, some of the other stuff, obviously, uh, that they can do. Complicated runs and stuff like that um, or looks uh, that they can do um, for these bigger games. But, We'll see how it goes, but yeah, it's a little bit concerning. I really hope they put some ease to that concern uh, on Saturday when this game happens because I think it'll be very tough if Michigan comes one-dimensional. Yeah, absolutely. This is by far the most athletic defense that we have faced all season. So if we're, I mean, Purdue had some players on it. Don't get me wrong, but this is from a top-to-bottom, inside-out perspective. This is the fastest team we've played, and and also probably one of the biggest. So if we can't get it going, man, yeah, it could be a slugfest or defensive battle both sides. Uh, really quick before we get in the preview of Penn State uh, playoff rankings, no movement. Michigan stays at number three. Um, you know what we'll see is if Michigan's able to beat Penn State, do they jump a team like Georgia or not? Georgia's but Georgia's played a couple of tough matchups too. They beat you know number twelve Missouri last week. I think they're playing number nine Ole Miss uh, uh, on Saturday. So you know they they're getting into like kind of the meat of their schedule too against some better opponents. So it'll just be interesting to see kind of how it stays. You know, it might stay as put if Michigan still wins one, two, three, whatever. Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan. We'll see. But for now, uh, the playoffs stay the same. Michigan is your, still your third ranked team, um, and that probably won't change here for a couple weeks unless uh, someone gets upset. Um, week ten recap, really quick. Some of the games we pointed out. Man, that Washington USC game. I mean, no defense, but Penix and Williams are fun to watch in that one, especially Penix. Man, he made a couple un- unreal throws. Yeah, that uh, that just goes to show when you have a quarterback at the highest level, it they they can just flat out win you football games, and that's just what Michael Penix has done all year. And um, no, Washington's defense hasn't been anything special, but when you can put up numbers like he is, you have a legitimate shot of winning a national championship just because of how good he is. For sure, and based on trends, you know and. Past NFL drafts, uh, you know, Penix is a little bit older, fifth-year guy, and uh, had some has had a substantial injury history. But you know, someone's going to get a steal from him, like in the mid-first round or whenever you know a team decides to take him. I don't think he's going to go top five, probably not even top ten. But um, when someone takes him, and you know, if he can stay healthy in in the NFL, and you know, they protect him, keep him upright, and things like that, I really, really think someone's going to get quite a quite a nice player for when he probably gets taken. Uh, Oklahoma got upset. Uh, I believe they were the sixth, sixth ranked team or no, no, there's, uh, they were nine maybe. I don't know. Uh, yeah, they were nine, I think. Um, but yeah, Oklahoma, they were the first like top 10 playoff team to lose, get upset. They lost Oklahoma state in the last, last scheduled, uh, rivalry game, uh, between Oklahoma and Oklahoma state. So they got upset 27, 24. Uh, that Texas game was wild. They were, up big on Kansas State there for a while and then ended up uh, winning, you know, 33-30 to 30 in overtime, and that was because Kansas State went for it on fourth down and uh, overtime for the win uh, from the five-yard line uh, obviously did not get it. But that was that was a crazy game, and like I said, they, they were down big there for a while, and then Kansas State came running back and uh, almost upset Texas. With Oklahoma losing, Chad, and let's just say Texas wins out, does and Texas beats Oklahoma in the championship game, do you think because of Oklahoma's loss that Texas is still would be out at 11 at, if, if things go the way we think they're going? Um, yeah, well, yeah, it's still possible because even if, let's say Michigan beats Ohio State, Ohio State falls out, and it's Michigan, Georgia, uh, you know, top two, Florida State stays, you know, they kind of can coast to it. if they, As long as they win out, they're probably they're, they're going to be in. It really comes down to what if the Pac-12 eats itself alive or not. I can that's kind of what Texas has to hope for. Because uh, if Washington stays undefeated, they're going to move into the top, you know, top four over loser of Michigan, Ohio State, and you know if Oregon, you know if they, if Washington drops one, Oregon probably passes them, and you know Oregon's looked really good, and you know I know they lost to Washington, but arguably they look like the most complete team in the Pac-12, and we'll see if they're able to jump in. But I, you know. As of right now, Washington and Oregon look like a better eye test look better than uh, Texas does. And it's hard to imagine if they don't lose a couple games that Texas hops hops either of them into the playoffs, you know. 
Yeah, it's looking like you know the. I know we. I, I had I had my qualms about it when it was announced, but this potentially this twelve man playoff concept could be good for college football. It'd be really fun this on, year. Yeah, it, it'd be really fun this year. Exactly. Could that be year? Will it be year over year? Is the question. But looking at the teams this year, there there's there may not be as much much of a talent gap between one through twelve if the season pans out the way we think it does. No, I agree. It's a it's a strong year right now. Uh, even, even playing field per se. Um, but with that, let's get into the Penn State preview. Uh, Penn State, you know, eight and one. Finally, we have a big time game coming for Michigan. Uh, you know, their lone loss was at Ohio State. Uh, Iowa, probably their strongest win. They, you know, that game was at Penn State or in Penn State. It was, thir- uh, you know, a thirty-one to nothing victory for Penn State. Um, you know, I think Cade played beat up in that game for Iowa, but at the end of the day, uh, still kind of impressive for Penn State to put 31 up on Iowa's defense uh, just because it's been such a good unit. Uh, overall, Penn State obviously the better team, um, no question that. Figured Penn State would win that game. Uh, but dropping 31 on Iowa, whether home or away, that's uh, it's impressive nonetheless. Um, offensively, uh, Penn State's going to try and run the ball. They are best when they are moving the ball on the ground. They got two studs. And uh, Katrin Allen and Nick Singleton uh, both have been really good so far this year. I'm pulling up their stats right now. But Singleton's rushed for like 480 yards to this point in the season. On um, <clears throat> Loading. All right, there we go. Uh, Singleton's rushed for 480 yards on 121 carries for, four, or for seven touchdowns. He's averaging four yards per carry. Allen. Uh, 573 rushing yards on the ground on 119 attempts, 4.8 yard per carry average. He's got four touchdowns. So these guys, it, it's really kind of like Mich- uh, Edwards and Corum last year. I mean, it's a one-two punch, relentless. They're both really good. Uh, they both, you know, have a healthy carry or average uh, yards per carry. Um, they, they score a lot, and it, it's really what helps Drew Aller. And you know, Drew Aller, highly touted prospect. He's athletic got good measurables he's got a healthy stat line he's thrown for 1895 yards thrown at a 63 percent clip for completions has 20 passing touchdowns only one interception um but you can tell he's growing when you watch him he makes some good throws he makes good decisions but he also has those kind of like kyle mccord when you watch ohio state it's he has those moments where oh what was that oh okay He's going to throw some questionable throws, and those are the throws Michigan's going to have to take advantage of on defense. If you can jump on one or two of those bad decisions Aller's ultimately going to make during this game, that can be the difference between a win and a loss for Michigan. They're going to have to take the ball away somehow, some way from this Penn State defense, or Penn State offense. Um, You know, Penn State's offensive line, pretty solid, but they could still give up some pressures, you know, against Ohio State. Uh, you know, that was Aller's biggest test, only 18 for 42, 191 yards and one touchdown. They were only one for 16 on third down as an offense. Uh, I think they gave up four sacks in the game. So there is a blueprint to affect this kid. If you can get pressure on Drew Aller, that's when he kind of, I'm not going to say he crumbles, but that's when he kind of gets put into making bad decisions, rush decisions. Um, so that's, that's really going to be the key in my opinion is can, how much pressure can we get on Aller? you know, on top of stopping the run game, right? Slow the run game down, get pressure on Aller. I mean, I know that's really just the cliche way of saying that's how you stop an offense in general, but, you know, that's what holds true here. Uh, Receiving-wise, Keandre Lambert-Smith is their best receiver by far. Uh, He's Aller's favorite target. He's got 51 catches for 645 yards and four touchdowns on the season. Um, The next closest guy in receptions is Tyler Warren, the big tight end with 23, so that shows you the disparity there. Uh, but what you got to watch out with Warren, the tight end, is he is their red zone target. He has six touchdowns on the season. They're gonna use they use him big time in the red zone. Um, but yeah, Jordan, I'll let you jump in here. I mean, I feel like you're kind of we're on the same page. If you stop the run game, get pressure on Aller, that's gonna be success to Michigan slowing down this Penn State offense at home. Yeah, I mean, this is gonna be a game, man, where I think you kind of knocked on the head that it's gonna come down to quarterback play. Um, what quarterback can consistently down in and down out? make the right decision because um, I, I do think this is going to be a defensive slugfest um, and who's going to be the one to force a ball or get, you know, whatever it may be that gives up, gives up the short field for a potential touchdown drive or something like that. Um, Cause I think both teams are going to struggle to run the ball. I bet both teams are maybe near a hundred yards rushing each. Um, and it's going to come down to the quarterback play. Um, 
and who turnover battle. I think, and also something we haven't talked about is our special teams units. I think the field position battle is going to be probably the way you want to lose this game. If, if Michigan's backed up the entire game, you know, starting each drive on each, their 20, 25 yard line, while Penn State's average possessions on their 40 or something like that, we will lose this game. Um, so it's got to be something where, you know, it, that's going to be a huge component. Um, I, I think our kicking game is kind of is not, obviously we're missing Jake Moody, so I'm a little bit hesitant, you know, with some field goal opportunities uh, if, if they present themselves, uh, if they're a little longer than like 40, 45 yards, something like that. Um, but we'll see. Um, I'm excited. I think uh, that, you know, we're going to have to see what our defense can do. I mean, both, both uh, I mean, statistically, this is the number one and number two defenses in the country. So they've been playing great football. Um, and that's I think it's going to be one of the best Big Ten defensive showdowns we've seen in a long time. Yeah, it's eerily crazy, or it's you know how close the stats are. Michigan, you know, only allowing 247 yards per game overall. Penn State allowing 263 uh, uh, rushing wise. Penn State's got the second rushing defense in the country, only averaging 60 yards against. Michigan's at 90. It's a little dis- uh, difference there, but Michigan's only allowing 6.7 points per game. You know, Penn State 11. Uh, you know, Michigan allowing 29% third down conversions rates, uh, Penn State only uh, allowing 28%. So like, it's really close. And offensively, they're pretty close too. I mean, Michigan averages 40.7 uh, points per game offensively, Penn State 40.2. Um, passing wise are similar rushing yards, you know, Penn State averages 173, Michigan 167 per game. So like it's just it, it's it's funny These, this is a very even matchup on paper and I I agree I think it comes down to the quarterback we talked can either team really get their run game going Penn State's look a little bit better rushing the ball so far this year uh, than Michigan but we know what Michigan's been capable in the past a lot of these guys have been here the last couple of years so we know they're capable of it can they get it going that's the big question. But yeah, if it's going to come down to J.J. McCarthy versus Drew Aller and who's able to do more, uh, you know, make those crucial throws, move their team down the field in those crucial moments, I do, I do like having J.J. McCarthy on my sideline in my helmet opposed to Drew Aller. And that's nothing against Aller. McCarthy's got a little more experience. I think he can do a little bit more. Um, I think Aller has a very bright future. I know this is his first year starting. Again, he's looked really good, but especially against some of the better, you know, Ohio State, you know, playing better team on a schedule. He struggled a little bit. And you got to hope, you know, Michigan watched that tape and they're able to kind of uh, kind of do a little bit what Ohio State did and get pressure on him and really make him uncomfortable. Um, and hopefully James Franklin, James Franklin's a little bit because I think that's part of the reason they lost to Ohio State too. They didn't really, you know, help Aller much with the play calling and the game plan they had in place there either. Um, and you know, usually you can count on James Franklin, the James Franklin in these, uh, these big time games, but we shall see, but I'm, I, I'm excited. This is going to be, this is going to be a good matchup. Yeah, for sure. yeah I, I agree. I think what, I think well, a big play that may happen in this game that will be under, almost underappreciated, but I bet it'll be late in the fourth quarter or mid th- midway through the fourth where it's third and eight, third and nine, something like that. And JJ gets the first down with his leg, six, 10, the drive, something like that, that I think Drew Aller cannot do is going to be a potentially deciding factor in this game. No doubt, no doubt. Uh, just moving over to the defensive side of the ball for Penn State. You know, we just kind of went over their, their rankings as a team. Um, you know, really good against the run. That'll be a challenge for Michigan. Um, but, you know, they have some NFL guys on this side of the ball. You know, defensive end Chop Robinson, cornerback Kalen King. They're projected to be first-round picks at the moment in the upcoming draft. I mean, overall, they got a lot of talent. You know, defensive end, uh, uh, Adisa Isaac, he leads the team with six and a half sacks. They got guys who can get to the quarterback, too. And, you know, well, that's one thing we've seen well improved this year with J.J. is, you know, last year we thought he held on to the ball, or thought he did hold on to the ball too long. Uh, and, you know, there were times where he fumbled. Um, you know, he got sacked. He kind of just waited too long for guys to open. He's been much better about moving his feet, having that internal clock, you know, moving up when he needs to, getting out of there when he needs to, or getting passes off faster. So I think that'll help in this game too, you know, and, you know, maybe Michigan goes with, you know, they're going to take their shots because they run the ball. They're going to play action. They're going to see if they can get things going deep, but I would not be surprised if initially Michigan comes out with a quick passing game, just a, you know, you know, set, you know, uh hike and throw sort of thing, like a couple hitches, work the slants a little bit, just 
short to intermediate routes to kind of keep Penn State's offense or defense at bay, uh, not letting them get the opportunity to get home for sacks early on to kind of keep that that crowd and you know defense in general just kind of at, at bay to start the you know and hopefully hopefully you know the best thing to do on the road is jump out to an early lead. Yeah, this will be our wide receiving core's biggest test. I think you're right about Kalen King. He's one of the best, you know, corners in you know in the upcoming draft, and this is probably the overall best secondary. So, are we gonna legitimately have, you know, we're gonna have to make some big boy catches, some make some big boy routes, and you know, play ball. So, we'll see if CJ can do it. Roman, I I trust Roman, Roman Wilson, but somebody's gonna have to step up in this game to get some key conversions. Yeah, I think the key matchup here is Colston Loveland on those linebackers and safeties. We know he's that safety net for, you know, McCarthy, and he likes to go to Loveland, especially in the red zone and things like that. So we'll see. But, you know, the, a key guy here, obviously, you know, we haven't talked about him a ton. Or we have talked about him a ton, but, you know, in the running game. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Edwards get utilized even more in the receiving game this this week just because, no, they're gonna, obviously Penn State's going to key on on Roman Wilson. He's been number one X factor for our receiving game. Colson Loveland, Donovan Edwards, and even Samaje Morgan or Tyler Morris. You know those guys, Cornelius Johnson too. Those guys are someone in that group's got to step up and they got to make the big plays coming up. Not that Wilson's not going to get his and he's not going to have catches and things like that, but you'd have to think Penn State's defense is going to be keyed in on him more than anyone. Else. I yeah I I, I, to, I totally agree with you. I, I I think you're right. Edwards has not been as dominant as he was last year at this point in the season. I mean not by too much, but he's definitely not had those games the that he's had. So I think he could be a massive X factor coming out of the backfield or in the slot, something like that. Get him on a, get him on a linebacker here and there, and some under route crossing route, something like that. So I I I, I think a big X factor too that we're not talking about is I love Sharon Moore. I think he's done an excellent job calling things up to this point. So I think he's got some things up his sleeve that uh, is really going to give Manny uh, Coach Ramirez some problems over at Penn State on the defensive side of the ball. For sure. No, I definitely agree. Um, by the way, did you see uh, uh, Manny's uh, little sign sign thing he did today? No, I did not. What, uh, what, what did he do? He, he made a video of him tapping on his watch, uh, then putting his hand up to his ear like to make sound, and then gave three on his finger. And he did that without saying anything. And then he went back and said, show up early, get loud, especially on third down. I said, what a tool. I hope we drop 50 on your defense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he's stick to being a defensive coordinator, buddy. Cause clearly you can't, be I, as I say, I actually coach, respect him so. as a D coordinator. He obviously didn't work as a head coach, but he's been a phenomenal defensive coordinator um, throughout his career. So Saturday or, you know, Saturday night. Saturday should be a night game. Actually, probably lucky that for Michigan that it's not. But big noon Saturday, 3.30, 3 o'clock. What's the final score on this this matchup? I'm going in a tight one, Chad. I'm going Michigan 21, Penn State 17. Okay, same score as two years ago at the, in Happy Valley. This was a game I had marked as a loss when we initially did the preseason show. Um, but because... Penn State looked so, not so bad, but the offense did not look good against Ohio State. Um, and I know it's a week-to-week game, you know, not everything always carries over whatnot. But I thought Penn State was the team to beat in this conference, but Ohio State beat them, you know, or for Michigan to beat, I thought Penn State was their biggest threat. Because Ohio State beat them and Ohio State beat them, you know, I'm not going to say Hanley, but it was it was a comfortable win. You never really felt like Penn State was threatening that game. Um, this is going to be a, this is, you know, it's going to be a close game. I agree with you, um, but I do think Michigan ultimately wins this game. I'm going by a final score of 27 to 13. Ooh, two scores. I like it. I just, you know, if Michigan can stop the run, I just, even though it's at Penn State, I just have a hard time believing Penn State's going to score uh, a, a ton of points. And, you know, the other way around, Michigan might not score a ton either because Penn State's defense is equally as good. But, this could be a low-scoring game for a while. This could I don't really know if this isn't it. like a freaking ten to seven final, something like thirteen seven. Like have gray hairs so, by the end of it. I, I, I get so stressed when they're so really. low-scoring like that. <laughs> uh, no doubt, no here. doubt. All right, before we end it, let's get a couple couple games coming up on the docket this week. We can start with uh, number eighteen Utah heading to number five Washington. Um, you know, I 
it's not a sexy game, but it's one I put on there just because we know how good Utah's defense is. We know how they can play spoiler with that unit, but I just don't think they have the firepower on offense, and I don't think the defense can stop Washington for a full game. I think Washington wins this game. I think it's probably by two scores at the end of it, but I could see this being a tight tight game for a while, especially Washington, again, coming off not so much a high of – you know, beating a highly ranked team because USC wasn't, but it was a shootout. It was a back and forth game. There's going to be a, a little bit of a high to come down from again in that game. I think Utah uh, sticks around in this one. I think you're right. I I don't think uh, I, I it might be close for like a half something like that, but I think Washington comes out and makes enough plays to make this a multiple score victory for sure. Outside of the Michigan game, this might be the best game of the week. Number two, Georgia home against uh, number nine, Ole Miss. Again, just a solid matchup. Georgia's, you know, 10-point favorites. So, you know, I don't think Ole Miss is going to end up winning this game when it's all said and done, but definitely something to keep an eye on. Georgia, you know, tested last week. They're going to get tested again. Look good even without Bowers, um, but, you know, it's it's going to be a game to watch. I think this will be a competitive game for quite a while and an entertaining one, uh, uh, you know, when all is said and done. Yeah, I, I think uh, – I mean, Lane Kiffin has – he's been one of the uh, best offensive minds uh, in college football for a while. Uh, they score a lot of points. It's going to come down to defense, and can Ole Miss get enough stops on the road? I I just don't – I have too much respect for Kirby Smart and what they've been doing until somebody beats them. You know, they're, they're – I have them favorited winning every game. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, for sure. <laughs> And then uh, lastly, uh, number 13, Tennessee heads to 14, Missouri. Not really much in terms of playoff uh, stuff on the line. Uh, Both teams have uh, multiple losses, which essentially eliminates them. But should be an entertaining matchup, to say the least, and maybe a solid one to watch at 3.30 between the Penn State game at noon and then the uh, Georgia Ole Miss game at 7 o'clock. Yeah, Brady Cooks uh, for a quarterback from Missouri is is quietly having a pretty good season. Uh, not not a lot of people are talking about him, but the, he he's made some really big time plays for them. But I, I, at home, I I can see Missouri winning this game. Joe Milton's kind of been underwhelming. Unfortunately, we kind of both saw that hat coming. Um, he had a lot of hype, but he just hasn't translated it. Um, but no, it's it'll be a fun game to watch for sure. Yeah, so a couple good games there. Uh, Obviously, Michigan-Penn State, you know, we can finally say Michigan's one of the games to watch (laughs) this week. Um, But, no, it should be a good one at noon. Uh, That's going to wrap it up for this episode a lot. We, you know, obviously went over there uh, between the alleged sign stealing and the Purdue game and some of the run game stuff and then obviously the Penn State preview. But remember, you can follow us on Spotify or subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts by searching the Victors-Michigan Podcast. You can also subscribe to Between the Whistles Detroit on YouTube to catch our podcast as well as the rest of your Detroit sports needs. Thanks for tuning in. Again, catch us on our next episode. We will hopefully be recapping a a victory over Penn State and then, you know, on to Maryland and, you know, any other news that comes up with all the other music going on outside the football realm for Michigan right now. Um, but please, uh, you know, like this podcast, uh, rate, review, subscribe, help us grow, our, grow the product and reach more listeners. And again, we appreciate everyone who tunes in. Go blue. Go blue.